Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. We're going to be continuing our study uh, in the book of 2 Kings. This morning we're going to be looking at chapter 5. If you don't mind standing as we read God's word together. 2 Kings chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. You may be seated. Our life is filled with choices. Every single day from the time that you wake in the morning until the time that you go to sleep at night, we are faced with choices. When I read the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, I see a story of choices from different people throughout the chapter. Throughout the story, we see several individuals who are faced with choices and how they act upon those choices and the choice the choice that they make. I want to look at today and what it means to you and I. You and I are faced with choices. Some choices more important than others, like getting up and deciding what to wear is a choice. Right? Am I going to look like a hobo today? Am I going to look like middle of the road? Or am I going to go all the way? Right? Some, some are, you know, more important. Am I going to eat today? What am I going to eat today? Am I going to be healthy today? Or am I going to cheat today? Right? And then even more important choices. Am I going to go to work? Am I going to uh, have a good attitude at work? How am I going to respond when people talk to me? And, and, and how am I going to respond when the boss, you know, is maybe short with me? Choices like that throughout. And uh, the, the choices become more and more uh, difficult as we go through the day. But everyone is important at some level. And how we make those choices and the choices that we make even in one day can impact our lives long into the future. One choice at a time. I was talking with someone this week and uh, explaining to this person that even though we've had hard times in our past and we've got regrets and we've got pain and we've got hurt and we've got bitterness and We've made huge mistakes that are hanging on to us. We're one choice away. One choice away from changing it around. One choice away of changing our future. That even though we may have to live with consequences of past mistakes, our future does not have to be what it was. It can be new by one choice. And then follow up that choice with another good choice and another good choice and another good choice and pretty soon your whole situation has changed not just you but the people around you will see a change and they will respond 
to the choices that you and I make. They will respond to our decisions and they'll see the good choices that we make. And I can see the question in this person's eyes and, and I, I immediately said, you're still going to make bad choices. I still make bad choices. But the key is, is to make more good choices than bad choices. Let my life be characterized by choosing God and to honor Him instead of honoring the flesh. We're all going to have periods where we make bad, selfish choices. But those should be the minority. The majority of the choices we make should be done with an understanding of who God is, our relationship with Him. And the fact is we sang this morning that even though He knows who we are, He knows everything we do, yet He still loves us. That's how our choices should be made. How we live our lives every day. The fact that we have an Almighty God who loves us regardless of how we behave, what we've done in the past, allow our choices to reflect that. And when you and I look at this story, I want to look at some of the choices that had to be made. We know, as we just read, that Naaman was a great commander in the army of Syria. It says he was an honorable man, honorable man, and the king liked him. The king of Syria liked him because he was an honorable man. He was a valiant warrior. And parties had gone into Israel. Syria was an enemy of Israel, and God had used Syria, Syria to, to, to defeat Israel and uh, oppress Israel because of its disobedience. And during one of the raiding parties, a young girl is brought back captive, and it just so happens that she is given to Naaman's wife to serve her. Or, yeah, to serve Naaman's wife. Now she was carried away from her home. Not really ideal circumstances. She was free, but she was no longer free. She now was a servant in someone's household. She was a servant to a man and a woman who did not know God, who did not honor God, who did not love God. She was a servant of someone who was an enemy of Israel, someone that she had every right to be afraid of. Yet in spite of all of that, instead of having a bad attitude, and she deserved to be upset, angry, and frustrated, let's be honest, be like someone coming into your house and taking you from your home and forcing you to serve them as a servant in their home. It's not cool. We would not be happy with it. So, But instead of her having a bad attitude, she had a choice to make. She knew her, her master, Naaman, was leprous. And the Bible says that she said to his wife, If only my master was in Israel with the prophet, he could be healed of his leprosy. Now that servant had every right in our eyes to be bitter and angry and frustrated. She had every right, right, to be mad at God, to be mad at the Syrians, to be mad at her master, to be mad at everyone around her. Yet when she saw him, she had compassion on him. When she saw him, she had mercy on him. She, she felt compassion for him. So instead of hating him, she made a choice to honor him. To serve him, even though in our eyes she had the right to, she, she would have had the right to be angry, the right to rebel, the right to not have a good attitude. She could have sat quietly by and watched her master die from leprosy. It was just a matter of time before he died from it. It would take his life. 
So she had a choice. She knew that there was a man in Israel by the name of Elisha, the prophet of God, who could heal her master if only her master could get to him. And so she says something about it. She makes a choice not to be angry, not to be frustrated, not to be bitter, not to sit there and watch her master suffer and die. She makes a choice to offer help. To say there is a man in Israel who could heal him if he could just get to him. Many times in our lives, through things that are no fault of our own, situations that happen, whether it's health or you know, our jobs, people around us, family members, relationships, things that maybe we didn't even do wrong, but they've hurt us and we've been hurt and we've uh, you know, been, been kicked while we were down and, and we've been rejected by people or, or hurt by circumstances and we become bitter and angry and frustrated and we have a choice to make. Wallow in our self-pity and our bitter bitterness or decide that we're still going to serve God anyway. To have compassion. To show mercy. To love the Lord no matter what. Instead of becoming bitter and angry and frustrated. And wallowing in that self-pity. That we look upon God and honor the fact that He still loves us. Cares for us. He's still with us. Amen. We have a choice to make. Do we continue to serve God? Or do we reject Him because of our bitterness? Our anger? Our frustration? I've had times in my life where I rejected God out of bitterness, anger, frustration, and self-pity. Sometimes not my own fault, sometimes my own fault. Situations that I had put in, made bad decisions or situations that weren't my fault, where I found myself angry and frustrated and, and felt like I had no hope. So I had a choice to make. Turn to God or continue to wallow in self-pity. So today... Take that. Understand, look at it. Are you in a situation where you feel like you're too far gone or you feel like circumstances are out of control that we become bitter and angry? We have a choice to make today. Let today be the choice that we choose to honor God, right. to serve Him in Amen. spite of what we're facing. Yes. Yes. Amen. As we continue to look uh, in chapter 5, we'll go through, look at verse 5. You'll see that the king of Syria was notified by Naaman that there was someone in Israel that might be able to hear, heal him. So the, so the king of Syria sent uh, Naaman with a letter to the king of Israel that said, here's Naaman, he's got leper, he's a great servant, heal him. Well, what was the king of Israel going to do? He couldn't, he couldn't heal the man, and he's upset, he tears his clothes, and he's uh, mourning, and he says, look at this, he just wants to have a quarrel with me. Well, reason to come and oppress and attack and raid more. So he's frustrated, doesn't know what to do. Elisha hears what's happening. He uh, hears what's happening, and instead of sitting quiet, he sends a message that says, Send them to me. Don't care. Tear your robes. Why are you so frustrated? Send Naaman to me. Verse 8, so it was when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why do you turn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Another choice. Elisha heard about Naaman. The king had torn his clothes. He was uh, scared, afraid. He thought that uh, the king of Syria was just looking for another opportunity to 
uh, attack Israel and make war with them and further decimate them. When Elisha heard, he could have remained quiet. He really could have. He could have remained quiet, but he didn't. He chose to respond to the king of Israel, who was an evil man, he was not a good person, and say, King, don't tear your robes. Please send Naaman to me. Another choice that had to be made. Now, Elisha's choice was based in this. He said that Naaman would know, and the king of Syria would know, that there's a prophet in Israel. Elisha's decision to send to the king of Israel to have Naaman come to him was so that Israel would know and Syria would know that the God of Israel was true. That the God of Israel was real. That even though Syria had been given the upper hand over Israel, that Syria needed to know the king, Naaman, and the king of Israel needed to know that the God of Israel still existed, was powerful, could do anything, and that God still had a man in Israel named Elisha who served him. It was all about honoring God. It was all about showing the enemies of God. That God was still there, paying attention, that was still fully capable of doing whatever He wanted to. Amen. So He made a choice. A non-selfish choice. He could have let Israel, the king, get what he deserved. Not been able to do anything about it. And in Syria, the king of Syria, would have been unhappy and mad, and he would have attacked Israel further. But He chose not to. Let him get what he deserved. And He intervened on his behalf. And so he called for the, uh, the, the king of Israel sent Naaman to Elisha. When Elisha, or when Naaman gets there, he's got all kinds of gifts he's going to give Elisha if he gets healed. He's got money and he's got clothes and uh, all these things that he'll bestow upon Elisha if Elisha heals him. So when he gets there, he knocks upon the door. And our man Elisha doesn't even get up and answer the door. He's sitting at the table doing whatever he's doing inside the house. But he doesn't even get up and honor Naaman with his presence. He sends his servant to the door. And the servant tells Naaman, this is what you're going to do. Go and dip seven times in the river Jordan and you'll be made clean. Now, let me tell you. The Jordan River was not a nicest of rivers. It was polluted. Uh, it wasn't super clean and fresh and beautiful. Uh, if you recall, there was a point in earlier, right on one of his first miracles, was cleansing a portion of the Jordan River, remember, so that the crops could grow. Not a, not a good thing. And, and, uh, but Elisha tells Gehazi, to, his servant, to tell Naaman, go bathe in the river, dip seven times, and you will be healed. Well, Naaman's offended. Right? Naaman's offended for multiple reasons. One, because Elisha didn't even have the courtesy to come to the door himself. Two, he didn't he asked him to go dip in the Jordan River and how nasty it was. Okay, so let's see if I can articulate this the way it's in my brain. So Naaman has a choice to make. He's been offended. Oh my gosh, how many of us get offended? He has been offended by the man of God. The prophet of God has offended him. 
He doesn't come to the door. And Naaman even says there, I thought he'd come out. And he would wave his hands a little bit and touch fear, you know, over the place. And he'd be healed. Right? I thought he'd come out and he'd, uh, you know, at least, you know, put a little oil on my head. Come on, those Pentecostals, we know all about that. Well, at least this pastor would spit on me or something. <laughs> he wouldn't even do that. He stayed up there and let me stay here by myself. Come on. Naaman wanted the prophet to come out and do some magical incantation over top of him and he'd be healed. That was what he thought was going to happen. But the prophet of God didn't even come to the door. Now look, Naaman was a mighty captain, a commander in the army of Syria, right? Yet he didn't send his servant to the door to say, hey, Naaman's here, you might want to come out and meet him. He respected the prophet of God and came to the door himself. But the prophet of God did not honor him with his presence. Naaman was not a happy camper. He was angry. He felt slighted. Right? He was probably embarrassed in front of the men that were with him, that the prophet didn't even have the courtesy to come to the door and talk to him. He was offended. We had a choice to make. Walk away offended and not heal, or be obedient and humble himself to be healed. We had a choice to make. Right? How many times you and I run when we get offended? Right? We already have our exit plans. Ready to go, because we are waiting on a fence. <laughs> right? We are waiting to be offended. We are prepared. We go to that next church and we go wherever. Waiting, knowing that eventually I'm going to be offended. Way back in the back of our mind, we're going to be offended. We know someone, you know, at some point, someone's going to offend me. And I'm going to run. We wait to be offended. In fact, some of us look forward to being offended. Right? We revel in the offense. We enjoy the anger, the bitterness, the drama. Make it all about us, right? Oh, goodness. Some of y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know you're lying in church. I know. Right? So we are waiting to be offended, and we allow that offense to change the course of our lives. Wow. A slight word or a, 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 no, someone doesn't make eye contact. I've had a situation recently where someone overheard, someone overheard, someone overheard, and the person is offended. We get offended, and then we just run from God. Right? We just leave. Or we stay long enough to cause up a little bit of trouble and drama, and then we leave. Right? We gossip a little bit, talk about who hurt our feelings or who offended us, and then we take out the door. But no matter what, the only person we're hurting is ourselves. We live in a world of offense, people who just want to be offended, who want to be upset about something. I, I saw, I don't know if any of you follow the Babylon Bee, uh, they're a satirical, kind of a right-leaning uh, satire type of news agency. They release crazy funny stuff, like The Onion, but a conservative version of The Onion. And uh, they released something about essential oils and a new ad for essential oils called Outrage. So that you can just spray it and be outraged all the time. Always be angry. Because we want to be offended and angry about Don't we live in an offended culture? Yeah. Want to be offended by someone's words or somebody's looks or somebody's actions, no matter how harmless they are. And it flows into the church. And it impacts how we handle and deal with people. Because we're just waiting to be hurt. Or we're living in a constant, uh, uh, constant way of living in hurt. Right? We're constantly living in hurt. 
And so it impacts the way we deal with people. It impacts our, all of our lives, our, our jobs and our families and our homes, our relationship with God, because we are offended. And so we hurt ourselves in the offense. When it would be easier on us to simply forgive, it would set us free, right? We don't want to forgive. We like to be angry. But we have a choice to make. Be angry and offended or forgive and be free. Be angry and offended or forgive and be free. We have a choice. Many of us, I myself, have chosen to be angry and offended. I was right. They should not have done that. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't deserve that. Right? He didn't have the, uh, you know, the, 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 the courage to talk to me in person before they did X, Y, and Z. Right? I used my own self-righteousness and my own self-centeredness to justify my offense. The fact that I'm offended. To justify that I'm angry and frustrated and mad and that I'm going to treat people a certain way or act a certain way or be mad at God for something when God says, if you will simply forgive and focus on me, you can be free. We cannot live our lives constantly in a state of being offended, anger, angry, and bitter, and frustrated. It will destroy us and eat us from the inside out. It will literally destroy you and I. So we have a choice every day, most of us, to make to be offended or not be offended. The second thing was this. Not only did Elisha not even have the courtesy to come to the door, not only did Elisha not come out and wave his arms and do what he, the, the guy wanted him to do, Elisha told him to go dip in the nasty river. And Naaman had a choice to make. That's disgusting. He says, aren't these other rivers in Syria way better than this nasty thing in the Jordan? They're bigger, they're mightier, they're cleaner, they're beautiful. Why can't I go dip in one of those? He's mad. Because now he's been slighted, but also he's being told to go humble himself and dip in dirty water. I mean, seriously, that's what he's being told. You can't go into Syria and dip in one of the beautiful clean waters like you want to. I want you to go dip in dirty water. Water that's beneath you. So now he's offended because he feels like he's being asked to do something that he shouldn't have to be asked to do. Awful, after all, he's the commander of the armies of Syria. Don't you know who he is? I like him. Don't you know that his army can come in here and wipe you out? Don't you know who I am? He's mad and he's going to leave. Now we come to his servant who has a choice to make. Naaman's angry. Now, he's an honorable man, but he's not a happy man right now. He's an angry man because of what has been done. He has been slighted on the highest level by this prophet of God in Israel. Slighted by his enemy. Not respected and told to go dip in dirty water and he'd be healed. He's not happy, he's mad. But his servant sees and has compassion also on Nathan and he has a choice to make. Do I keep my mouth shut? Or do I have the courage to say what needs to be said? He didn't want to see his master suffer any longer, this, this man. 
he believed that the prophet could possibly heal him. And so he takes a step out and he makes a choice to talk to his master and to contradict him. I mean, you've got kids. And they like to sometimes tell you when you've done something wrong. Right? How does it make you feel? I remember one time as a kid, mom was teaching children's church and she was telling a story and she mixed up a name and I was such a snot. I really was a terrible kid. I was maybe eight or nine years old and in front of an old children's church, 50, 60 kids, I corrected her. Well, that, let me tell you something. This brother got a whooping when he got home. Right? Because I corrected her in front of everybody. Even though I was right, she was wrong. I was disrespectful. I corrected her. I embarrassed her in front of everybody. Right? My kids have done it to me millions of times. Dad, you shouldn't act like that. You know better. You're a pastor. Dad, you shouldn't talk like that. Come on. Right? It don't make you happy. And it ends up causing some very uncomfortable consequences for them when it happens. So now take that and put it on this level where you've got the commander of Israel's army who was thought he was going to be healed of leprosy, was prepared to be healed of leprosy, had all the rewards for the man of God who was supposed to heal him of leprosy, but he's just been slighted, not just that the prophet wouldn't come to him, but the prophet told him to go take a bath in dirty water. He's bad. He is not a happy camper. He had his hopes up that something was going to happen, and it didn't happen. He's angry, and his servant has a choice to make. Do I say what needs to be said? so that my master can be healed. He chooses to say something. I'm sure he kind of quietly said, now, master, if he'd have asked you to do some mighty task, some big feat of strength, or go do something mighty, would you not have done it? Master said, yes. And he said, yeah, he said, well, all he's asking you to do is go take a bath in the water. What's it going to hurt if you go try? If he'd asked you to do something big and mighty, you would have done it, right? You would have done, raided a village or did some feat of strength or some test if, if, if he'd have asked you. He's only asked you to go bathe in the water. What can it hurt to go do it? Naaman, his heart obviously was touched by his servant. Because he made the decision to go dip in the water. Sometimes we're naming, and sometimes we're naming servant in our lives. Sometimes we're the offended, and sometimes we're the one that has to come alongside the one who was offended. And we have a choice to make, to love and give them some encouragement and some tough love to get out of their fun, or remain silent and allow them to walk away angry and unhealed. Right? Sometimes we're naming, and sometimes we're naming serpent. We see people hurting. We see our friends. We see our family members frustrated, angry. They're mad at God. They're mad at people. They're uh, wallowing in self-pity. They're frustrated. You know, uh, they're destroying themselves. Self-destruction. And we're quiet because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Or we're quiet because we don't want them to hate us. Or be mad at us. We don't want to take a chance and hurting them, or them hurting us. When God has put us in their lives at that exact moment, at exact exact time, to help them get beyond their offense. Amen. And so that they can forget and be healed. Amen. 
thank the Lord. Naaman should be grateful beyond grateful that his servant was there to keep him from going back into Syria and not being healed. He would have returned a leper. But because a servant had a choice and he had made a courageous choice to talk to his master and say, I think you're wrong on this one. Why don't you go do what he says? Give it a whirl. Because of that, Naaman's life would be forever changed. Because of that, he would be healed. So you and I, when we look at our lives, we see the people around us. We see people hurting, frustrated, cursing God, yelling at God, mad at God, bitter at God, in that mode of self-destruction. We need to pray, and we need to work with them. Not become angry and frustrated, not kick them to the side, not decide, well, you're just going to hurt yourself, or, you know, remain quiet. And we need to go to them and help them and encourage them and give them some tough love. Amen. Show God's love, but also tell them that they need to forgive and to move on. Amen. To do what's necessary. I've had a conversation or two with people to say that, and people have had a conversation or two with me to say that to me. Right? It may make you feel uncomfortable for a second, but then you're grateful. I know I've always been grateful to those people in my life who have the courage to stand up to me or the courage to correct me or the courage to in love say, you sure you want to look at it that way? Are you sure this is what you want to do? Even if I didn't instantly give them the gratification of saying they're absolutely right, I went home and thought about it. Right? And it would change my attitude, my intention, what I would do, uh, the choices I would make after that. And then finally, Naaman goes, and he heeds the vice of a serpent, and he dips in the water seven times. And the Bible says on the seventh time when he came up, not only was the leprosy gone, but his skin was soft like baby's skin. So uh, not only was the leprosy gone, he was completely and utterly renewed from scratch. His skin had no imperfection, no dry bumps on it. He was, boom, beautiful. His whole body immediately cleansed. He's excited. So he goes back to the house of Elisha where Elisha's staying. Elisha says, we don't want your stuff. Go on. Naaman says, uh, Naaman says, well, then let me at least do this. Can I take two, essentially for us, wheelbarrows full, but two carts full of water back with me? Or not water, sorry. Uh, dirt from the land of Israel with me. Because I will never offer another sacrifice to another God. Because I will now serve the God of Israel. He says, I'm going to take this dirt and I'm going to go and I will worship and offer and worship God from this. I'm going to build an altar with it is what he was saying. But then he also said this. I only ask for one thing. That when I have to go before the false god of R-I-M-M-O-N I believe. I can't pronounce it. Rhymon or Rimen or whatever. When I go before him with my king and he leans on my arm to make me bow, that God would forgive me because I have to bow. That's what he says. 
I will only serve the God. I will only pray to the God of Israel. I will only worship the God of Israel. But I just ask for this mercy. Because I, when I go back, the king is going to make me go into the temple of this false god, and he's going to force me to bow down. I don't have a choice. Let me pick on Naaman again for a second. Now, God had just done something awesome for Naaman, had he not? Yet Naaman was still not willing, was still not willing to serve God above everything, to choose God above everything, because he wanted a, he wanted a free pass because he didn't want to tell the king of Israel he would not bow before a false god any longer. Everything that God did for him, he still wasn't willing to commit to God 100%. Everything that God did for him, even though he was willing, he was going to go back and he was going to worship God and he was going to honor God and he was going to only pray to the God of Israel, he still was going to go and bow before a false god because the king he served made him do so. After everything God did for him, he wasn't willing to stand up for God. It's a choice that we have to make. Do we bow before false gods because of those around us or because we're afraid of being ridiculed or mocked? Or, you know, do we not stand up for God and his truth because we're afraid of the consequences? Or because of everything that God's done for us, all this love, his mercy, his grace, his protection, his provision, everything he's done for us, do we still honor him regardless of the culture of the people around us? Even though it might hurt. And the last choice is by his servant Gehazi. Elisha sends Naaman away without giving anything, taking anything. Gehazi has a choice to make. He's not happy with Elisha's decision. He feels like Elisha did this for this man. He should have taken something. He deserved it. So just for that moment, he's tempted. Do I go and do what I'm supposed to and go back into my master and go on about my business? Or do I go and make up a little story and get myself some goods? Because obviously Elisha doesn't know what he's doing. We could use the money and the clothes. Right? So he has a choice to make. Be selfish and self-centered or to honor his master and to honor God. He chooses to be selfish and self-centered. He chases after Naaman and when Naaman sees him, he comes down and he says, what's wrong? Gehazi says, look, he tells him a lie. He says, we've got a couple of sons of the prophets that need some clothing and some money. Can I have a, a talent of silver and two change of clothes? Naaman said, oh, he's so grateful. He said, how about this? Take two talents of silver for each of them and two changes of clothes for each of them. Gazi takes it and he returns and he hides it. But unbeknownst to him, Elisha knew what he'd done. I don't know why he thought he could hide it from Elisha. All the things he'd seen God reveal to Elisha. Elisha, when he goes before Elisha, Elisha says, where have you been? God says, I've been right here. I ain't gone nowhere. Elisha says, did you not know that my heart would go with you? Did you not know I wouldn't know where you went? You went out and met Naaman. And what you've done is horrible. Is this a time in Israel to gather and reap? And you can see that. He rebukes them pretty bad. Is this a time to accept presents and gifts? Israel's in pain and suffering and being punished by God. He says, the leprosy that was on Naaman 
will be upon you, but not just upon you. It will affect every member of your family after you. Mm. And here's the thing. I don't know how bad Naaman's leprosy was before he was healed. But we do know how bad Gehazi's was. Because the Bible says, as soon as Elijah said that, every bit of his skin was covered white. And leprosy. You can read. Snow white. He was immediately cursed. He had a choice to make. He chose pork. He chose to honor his selfishness and his self-centeredness. He chose to lie, not just once, but twice. Lying to the prophet of God was like lying to God. He lied to Naaman. He stole from he essentially stole from Naaman. He stole from Elisha by taking that stuff. He was disobedient. He was rebellious. He was selfish and he self-centered. And he suffered the consequences of it. Because of a bad choice. He chose to act upon that selfishness and he's reaped the consequences of it. And not only did he reap the consequences of it, every person in his family after him reaped the consequences of it. That's how important our choices are. Because there comes a time in our lives and every one of us in our lives where there's a choice that's so obvious to serve God or not serve God. To turn to Him or away from Him. That the ramifications can impact our lives and the lives of our loved ones after us. Amen. When we come to that crossroads, what choice do we make? Do we choose to be selfish and self-centered? Or do we choose to honor God? This morning, look at your life as I look at my life. And let's make a decision that we will honor God with our choices. To be brave with our choices. To not be afraid to make the hard choices. To honor our God because He loves us and cares for us and He had mercy upon us. To honor Him through the choices that you and I make. In everyday life, every word that we speak is a choice. Every action that we take is a choice. Every word that we choose not to speak is a choice that impacts those around us. Every look on our face is a choice. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.